Are animals people too? Some claim they are. But what does the Bible say? Welcome to the Rockdale Publications, Quill. During today's program, we'll begin to look at this anti-hunting argument, animals are people too. We won't complete the discussion, but we should get a good start. I'll also be sharing an excerpt from my book, Devotions for Dog Lovers. I think you'll enjoy that. Your host has spent decades studying the Bible in the original languages. He holds degrees from the University of Wisconsin, Moody Bible Institute, Asbury Theological Seminary, and Bethel Theological Seminary. With the help of some of his friends, in 1994, Dr. Rako founded a national volunteer ministry to hunters. He is an author, dog trainer, and speaker. Tom served as a full-time pastor for 36 years. Now here is your host, Dr. Tom Rako. A number of years ago, we had a big batch of pointer pups. However, one of the pups, which was overlooked and passed up by some rather sophisticated buyers, and also by me, started to show incredible potential. Not only had this young male begun to excel in the basics, but perhaps most importantly, this particular dog carried a deep desire to please his master. You know, this little canine reminded me of a young lad named David. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord called Samuel the prophet to anoint a new king for the nation Israel. Now, initially, it would appear that David was not even in the running to become the next ruler. In fact, Samuel, who was a very spiritual person, saw David's older brother and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6b. Nevertheless, the Lord intervened and stopped Samuel by saying, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. In addition, we know that all seven of David's brothers were first paraded past the prophet. Eventually, young David was brought in from tending the sheep and received God's stamp of approval. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. David was classified as one who wanted to please his master, yes, a man after God's own heart. Perhaps today you doubt that God would ever choose to accomplish something wonderful through your life. When we look in the Bible, we find that God used all kinds of unlikely or even overlooked people. For example, God chose aging Abram and barren Sarai to start a nation, Genesis 12. He picked a murderer named Moses to lead his chosen people. An orphan by the name of Esther would not only redirect the course of human history for the Jewish people, but as queen, she would influence the known world of that day. Paul, previously known as Saul, who had been a persecutor of the church, eventually proclaimed Christ to all who would listen. Yes, God selects simple fishermen, tax collectors, and women with sordid past to accomplish his purposes. Yes, he may even pick you and me. When we come back, we'll be looking at uh, an important hunting argument. You can learn more about the book that tells this true story and others. For example, 
Find out how dogs in Bible times were used to fulfill specific prophecies. Discover how some dogs with disabilities did some amazing things. Hear how a dog collected money for orphans. Learn about the first canine to be launched into outer space. Gain insight as to how God is using dogs in our world today, and much more. To order your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, go to the Rock Dove Publications website at www.rockdove.com. Again, to get your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, visit rockdove.com. Animals Are People Too has been used for titles for articles, a TV show, a DVD series, and more. We are living in a day when a growing number of people have openly embraced the concept that there exists no clearly definable distinction between humans and animals. Indeed, as incredible as it may seem, the idea that animals are people too has gained wide acceptance in our modern culture. In fact, apparently deep in the hearts and minds of some, animals are even more desirable to be around than are humans. Certain individuals have gone so far as to consider God and various members of the animal kingdom as equals. As one woman surfing the web wrote, Mr. Rako, I realize this is none of my concern, but I stumbled upon this site while searching the internet. I want to ask you how you think God could so easily agree to the thoughtless and inhumane killing of his creatures. I've grown to believe that God is a part of everything. By killing a deer, wouldn't that be like killing a part of him? I don't know how I could deal with the guilt of that. Such a concept is far from new and is really nothing more than warmed-up pantheism. In essence, pantheism basically perceives nature and God as identical. Viewing animals and people as equals, at the minimum, is a step towards pantheism. What are some of the reasons why animals are viewed like humans? Often the argument, animals are people too, is either defended or supported with statements like, they, the animals, were here first, or they, the animals, have as much right to be here as we do. When we explore this area, we soon discover numerous factors which have either laid the foundation for or helped to foster this dubious philosophical approach to life. It is an approach which ultimately holds to the idea that animals and humans are equals. Without a doubt, at least some of this influence upon the collective conscience of our modern culture can clearly be traced back to the teaching of evolution. The theory of evolution, which is frequently passed off as fact, intrinsically ties humans and animals together in their biological development. The relatively recent invasion and popularity of certain forms of Eastern religious thought in the West have also played an important part in changing our perception of reality. This is especially so when such teaching presents and promotes the belief of reincarnation. Reincarnation involves a worldview that sees animals and humans as being linked together through a cycle of birth and rebirth. Presently, the New Age movement has helped to make this thinking popular, even though in some traditional cultures, this repetition is viewed as a terrible bondage from which one desires to finally be liberated. According to this traditional belief system, such death and rebirths result in persons living lives in different forms. Both evolution and much of Eastern religious thought, at least in theory, ultimately place humans and animals on a similar plateau.
The humanization of animals through movies, television, and various forms of convincing animation that were not possible, and in some cases not even dreamed of just decades ago, continues to have an extremely profound influence upon young minds. This is especially true since young viewers of these projections, which are either cast upon the silver screen or poured into the living room through the family television, have generally had more experience with animated or computer-generated creatures than they have had with an actual wild animal. Projecting human attributes and characteristics upon animals has no doubt caused some to view or regard animals to be much like humans. Of course, the extensive urbanization of modern society has also served to shield or insulate many individuals from certain harsh realities regarding animals and the natural environment. Basic givens regarding nature, with which most members of previously agriculturally based communities grew up, are now rarely encountered by most present-day urbanites. These harsh realities include such simple things as the tomcat that finds the cute baby kittens in the haymow and chews off their heads, both male and female kittens, the new calf that gets pneumonia and dies despite the use of modern medicine, or the raccoons that raid and ruin the carefully tended sweet corn patch. As a result of urbanization and other related factors, some of these rather ordinary realities of life are no longer experienced by large segments of society. Instead, we presently see movies, documentaries, books, articles, etc., which are presented by individuals who approach the animal world with a distorted perception of nature. Often the writers, directors, and producers of such works purposely present a politically correct slant through the emotional words or images they select. For example, in a documentary, a narrator may refer to the harvesting of wildlife as being slaughtered or brutally killed by humans. Whereas, on the other hand, in the exact same documentary, an animal such as a fox killing a baby bird is described as taking advantage of the situation or simply feeding its young. As a result, the next generation of viewers, which in many cases is already further distanced from the natural flow of the food chain, is constantly fed numerous false notions regarding the world around them. But now, with even less practical knowledge about the harsh realities of nature due to their urbanized background and politically correct conditioning, they observe such programming but are even less able to discern truth from error, or as the case may be, fact from fiction. Now, admittedly, there are numerous similarities that exist between animals and humans. Both live on this planet and even if it may seem rather peripheral, are all in some fashion interconnected and interdependent. Yet, as we shall see, the Bible offers logical reasons for these similarities which exist between humans and animals. Such similarities should in no way be defined or viewed as proof of equality. However, these similarities can serve to suggest that humans and animals both come from the same Creator. Art experts know that any work that can be traced back to the hand of an artist such as Rembrandt will possess a degree of similarity. This is the case whether the piece be a rough sketch or fully completed work which hangs in a world-renowned museum. Regardless of the topic or object captured by the artist upon canvas or some other surface, innate similarities will no doubt exist between each piece which has flowed from the hand of the same creator. In one instance, it may be attributed to Rembrandt, and in another to Van Gogh. When it comes to creation, 
This similarity points to the grandest artist of all, God. According to the Bible, both humans and animals were created by the same God. This is adequately shown in the first chapter of Genesis, where we are told how God created the material world, including animals and humans. The same truth is also reiterated in the New Testament, where the book of Colossians states regarding Christ that, By him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1.16 As the late evangelical thinker Francis A. Schaeffer pointed out in his book, Pollution and the Death of Man, The Christian View of Ecology, Schaeffer states, All things were equally created out of nothing. All things, including man, are equal in their origin as far as creation is concerned. According to the Bible, animals, birds, reptiles, etc., and humans have the same creator. Therefore, we should not be surprised to discover that God's works also give evidence of his nature and presence. We also know that humans and animals alike are ultimately dependent upon the same God for their necessary daily provisions. This is true even if certain humans, such as professing atheists, agnostics, or skeptics, choose not to openly acknowledge such a reality. The psalmist said, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Psalm 145, verses 15 to 16. Humans, animals, birds, and indeed every creature has been and continues to be sustained by God. However, even a person who has had a close relationship with the Creator may not adequately appreciate the degree to which we are entirely dependent upon God. In the Old Testament, we find that Job was one such individual. The Lord asked Job some probing questions which not only revealed the Lord's own care for creation, but also Job's limited understanding and comprehension of his divine concern. He asked Job, Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Job 38, verses 39 to 40. Then again the Lord asked, Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Job 38.41 In the scriptures, and as we see in the physical world around us, there is certainly a degree of mystery and wonder in the way in which the Lord sustains his creation. The same reality is also vividly expressed in the New Testament. In the Gospel according to Matthew, Jesus told his disciples not to worry. He then went on to explain the reason why by telling them, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 to 27. Jesus made it clear that both his followers and the birds that flew over their heads were dependent upon his heavenly Father. They both had and were in need of the same sustainer. Later on in the book of Acts, we also find that the early church pointed to the God of creation as being the sustainer. For example, on a certain occasion in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas attempted to reason with a crowd of pagans. Regarding the Creator, they declared, 
He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Acts 14.17 Paul and Barnabas realized and also pointed out to others that it is ultimately the living God who sustains all creation. In Hunting Arguments, Biblical Responses to a Loaded Issue, Dr. Tom Rako takes direct aim at some popular but faulty arguments wielded by hunters and animal rights activists alike. This unique work introduces readers to 10 major arguments which are frequently invoked by their users to either condemn or defend hunting. Hunting arguments include such emotional appeals and false premises as Thou shalt not kill. I eat everything I kill. I could never kill an animal. Hunting is my right as an American. Jesus was a vegetarian. And would Jesus shoot Bambi? Each chapter concludes with a set of discussion questions, making it a great resource for group studies. This book will help you to become an expert in knowing what the Bible has to say about hunting. To order your copy of Hunting Arguments, go to the Rock Dove Publications website, rockdove.com. Visit rockdove.com today. In summary, uh, let me just say there are a number of things that have influenced the idea that animals are people too. Things like the theory of evolution and Eastern religious thought, the humanization of animals and the urbanization of our societies. And uh, next time we'll be looking at some of the distinctions and why animals are not people too. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the Rock Dove Publications Quill. We hope that you'll join us again next time. You've been listening to the Rock Dove Publications podcast with your host, Dr. Tom Rako. This program has also been brought to you by the Quilted Arrow, home of intelligent, stylish, field-bred English pointers with bloodline streams from Hall of Fame champion Guardrail. Thank you so much for listening. Now this is Beth Rako inviting you to join us again next time on the Rock Dove Publications podcast. <music>